And we are so excited to announce something brand new here at Bayshore Community Church. Available now on any of the app stores, either Apple or Android or even Amazon, is the exciting Bayshore Church app for your mobile device. Now this app is chock full of content for you to use to engage with Bayshore. There's a sermon archive where you can browse past messages from both campuses. There's ways for you to sign up for classes, for events, for small groups. There's events calendars so that you don't miss anything that's happening. There's even a Bible reading section where you can get daily updates on where we are reading in the Bible. Also, this app has a great new giving feature, a very sleek and efficient way to easily give anytime you like and also have reoccurring gifts. So be sure to check out our app. You can go to bayshorecc.org slash app. That's bayshorecc.org slash app. And find links to download the Bayshore Church app. Well, welcome to part three of my big, part four, part four of my big fat mouth. And uh, this has been a series about what comes out of your mouth. And we want to welcome uh, everybody that's watching online right now, thank you so much for watching. We also want to welcome our Facebook Live community. We usually have about 500 people every weekend that watch us on Facebook Live, so welcome to you if you're watching on Facebook. The best way to experience Bay Shore is to be here, but we are glad that you're watching us online this morning. Okay, so here is what we've been talking about. We've been talking about, uh, we did one week where we talked about complaining, and I've been wearing my band faithfully, and... Uh, it's getting better. I've changed it a few times this week. How many are still wearing your, your complaining band? Uh, and you change it every time you, you have a little complaint coming up. So, uh, you know, that's really, it's really helping me. And uh, you know what's really helped me to realize is it's helped me to realize how much I am prone to complain because you have that thought and then, oh, Mo, I have to change the, the, my, uh, my, uh, my wristband if I, if I complain. So that's been really, really good. And uh, people have really bought into this uh, whole idea of wearing this wristband and people that even weren't here the Sunday we preached on it have come and got bands and are using that to help them to control their talking. We also talked about criticism. Uh, last week we talked about criticism. And um, the good side of criticism, the bad side of criticism, if you missed last week's message, a really, really helpful message, very practical, how to give good criticism, how to take criticism, uh, and, and that kind of thing. So we talked about that. Now this morning we're going to talk about something. I've only preached on one other time in my whole ministry. And uh, when I was working on this uh, talk about, uh, about my big fat mouth, and uh, I, I want, I'm going to talk today about profanity, about profanity. And um, I don't know how many sermons you ever heard on profanity, but, you know, when I was thinking about, you know, one of the things of our, that our church does is our church is very, very committed to being relevant. And when I did some research, uh, I discovered there's a whole lot of cussing going on out there. Let me ask you a question. How many have ever heard a curse word? You've heard a few curse words. Um, 74% of Americans say that they encounter curse words uh, every single week of their life. Some people you work with are cursing. Hey, there's only 5 to 15 percent, 5 to 15 percent of Americans that profess not to curse. That means everybody else is cursing. 5 to 15 percent of people claim that they don't use profanity. Now, I grew up in a home where um, 
There wasn't profanity. Um, I only remember hearing one profane word uh, as I was growing up. And uh, I remember when it was said, and I remember the context in which it was said, but uh, my family didn't use profanity. But my neighbor, who had a swimming pool who I frequented, I'd go down to visit my neighbor because he had this pool and they had uh, kids about my age. And so uh, this guy, uh, he worked for the school district, I think it was a janitor, and uh, he just cursed all the time. I mean, I, I learned about cursing from my neighbor. And uh, that guy, he was skilled at cursing. He could get two or three curse words in every sentence somehow. I mean, it was, it was, he was so profane that he hardly ever said a sentence without a curse word in it. Now, he was extreme, but I remember that was my exposure to profanity, uh, hearing profanity, uh, you know, in, from my neighbor. And then when I began to work, uh, you know, I worked in unloading trucks, and of course, I rented a lot of profanity there. And uh, so profanity is uh, it's pretty prevalent, pretty prevalent with people. People use a lot of profane words. And, um, you know, here, here's, what, here's what the studies say. The studies show that uh, actually, you know, they say, you know, about 63%. 63% of people use curse words to handle their frustration and stress. The primary motivating factor for cursing is, is overflowing stress and frustration in people. Now, I think sometimes it's caused by habit. I think my neighbor is just like habit. You know, he just cursed so much he was just used to cursing. But most of the time it comes from, from frustration and stress that builds up inside of us, and it becomes a, you know, an outlet. And so 63%, 63% of Americans claim that they curse when they're under extreme frustration and stress. Now, here's an interesting stat that I read. One in four people curse before 9 o'clock in the morning. Isn't that interesting? But a higher percentage, of course, occurs, most cursing occurs before 12 noon. Uh, and I don't know how they came up with this, but 10.54 a.m. is the time when a lot of cussing takes place. <laughs> no kidding. They did this study, and they like, surveyed all these people, and 10.54, right before 11 o'clock. I mean, I just the wheels come off. So we're going to talk about cursing a little bit. And uh, I think it's relevant. Um, you know, what I've, what I've struggled with is a little bit is, is figuring out what are curse words? What are biblical? What, what, does the, what does the Bible say we shouldn't say? Is there specificity about curse words? And, and uh, I'm sad to say there is not a list I could put on the board today or on the screens to say these are the prohibited Words that you're not allowed to say or you shouldn't say. There is no such list. I remember when I was preaching in Fairhope, Alabama, one time, years ago, uh, I was preaching down there and I was staying at the pastor's house and one night his, his wife was working late and I was there for like a week and doing some meetings with his church leaders and all that. And um, so he said, you want to watch a movie? So we watched a movie and uh, he had a machine. This was back in the VCR days. How many remember videos? Remember VCRs? You know? <laughs> so he had a VCR, and he had this machine. This was a thing. 
a machine you could hook up to the VCR machine that would bleep curse words out of the movie. He was a godly guy, so we were watching this movie, and he had this mechanism that would bleep curse words out of the movie. I am not lying to you. We sat there. It did not help. Because I found myself trying to guess which curse word it was when it was not being employed. And he got into it as well. We kept guessing what curse word that probably was. So we were thinking about what curse word it was. And, and I think when we think about cursing, we think about what are the prohibited words. But there's no codified list about what is prohibited and what is not what, are you not, what you can't say. Now, if you read Martin Luther, the great reformer of the 15th century, he used some words that would be considered profane. Um, I've read and studied Martin Luther a little bit, and his, his language, he was a German, was a bit crude, uh, and he said the Pope was, said some bad things about the Pope. And um, it seemed to, you know, and, and I, when I studied Luther, I had to think about, you know, was that, was that out of bounds that he used that word? He basically used shoot, and he dropped the vowel and changed the vowel. So that's what he did uh, there, and I thought, wow, that's unusual that the great reformer would use that kind of language. But here's, here's what I think, and I'll, I'll give you some guidelines about what is profane. Now, in my opinion, the most, I think there's a graduated level of profanity, and uh, I think we should really watch our mouths, but I think the worst type of profanity is the profanity that takes the, the holy name of God and uses it in a profane way. How do you remember what the third commandment of uh, the Ten Commandments is? Uh, and we'll put, the, put a picture of the Ten Commandments on the board here. I think we've got a picture here. Third commandment says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. How many of you have heard that say it with me? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God, in vain. So I thought about what does that mean? The word vain is tame, tame in the Greek, T-A-M-E, or in the Hebrew, rather. And uh, there, this is a varied, it has varied interpretation of what that really means. One of the things it does mean, for sure, it means that you should not use God's name in a vow if you're telling a lie. So if you say, I swear in the name of God I did not speed on Route 113 and you were speeding, that's taking the name of God in vain. It means that you're using God to endorse a lie, using his name to endorse a lie. Now, I thought about Peter in the New Testament. Remember when he denied the Lord, denied the Lord three times, and the third time he, he called out curses? And I used to think that Peter was cussing. He was cursing up a blue streak. It's probably not what was happening. Probably what Peter was doing is he was, he was using the holy name of God to say, I swear in the name of Jehovah that I do not know him. So taking the name of God in vain, one of the things it means is to take God's name and use it to endorse an untruth because the word vain means deceit or lie. That's one of the things it means. So it's important to kind of think about that. So I used to think that it meant another thing. But 
The third commandment, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. The word vain also means empty or common. Where you use God's name flippantly. And one of the things I really despise is I despise when people say, Jesus Christ in not a reverent way. Because that's the name that saves me. I think we ought to turn it on its head. I think the devil wants to profane the name of Jesus that says in Philippians, his name is above every other name. I think we need to flip it. I think when you hit your, I think you need, when you hit your finger with a hammer, I think you need to say, lousy Lucifer. <laughs> or you stump your toe, stupid Satan. Why don't we just flip it a little bit? But he... Uh, when it says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, that doesn't, it means that God's name is, is sacred, its name is holy, and I think the worst type of profanity is when we take the name of God and we, it, we, we, we bind it up in some curse and we use it in a common way because we can't get the lawnmower started. You take the holy name of God, which, by the way, the Jews wouldn't even say out loud. The Tetragrammaton in the Old Testament was the four-letter word of God. God's name is a four-letter word. Did you know that? The Hebrew, when it was written, the original Old Testament, there were no vowels in it. It was all consonants. I'm studying Hebrew right now, learning to read Hebrew. All, all consonants. And uh, it was a four-letter word, Y-H-W-H. And the, and the Jews believed God's name was so sacred, they wouldn't even say it. And they don't even, we don't even know exactly how the name is pronounced because the Jews wouldn't say it. And they left the consonants out. And later, then there's a, the, later they put the consonants in, and that's where we get Yahweh from. And the, and the Hebrews wouldn't say the transliteration of Y-W-H-W wouldn't say that because it was so holy. And they wouldn't even say the transliteration Yahweh. They wouldn't say it. So they replaced Yahweh for Adonai, and they wouldn't even say God's name. God's name is sacred. It's holy. There's no other name like His name. Yahweh, Jehovah, Jesus, our Redeemer, His name is, is sacred. It's, 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 it's set apart. It's to be revered. So I can, you know, I kind of, you know, I've, I've lived in the world a little bit, not as much as some of you guys do, living there every week and not, the stuff you're hearing. But I've been on trucks unloading, you know, stuff when I worked for Acme Markets and I've heard everything, I've heard every word there is to hear. But I tell you what really, really grieves my soul is when somebody takes the holy name of God and they take and they say, Jesus Christ. I'm telling you what, Jesus Christ, Jesus means Savior. Christ means the anointed one. Jesus is the anointed one that has delivered me from my sin. And his name is a name above every other name. And his name is sacred. And I want you to just lift your hands right now and say, Jesus your name is like no other name, and your name is holy. Now, when you pray, Jesus said when you pray, you pray this way. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. 
Hallowed is hagazizio in the Greek. Comes from a word that means to be set apart or consecrated. His name is set apart or consecrated. His name is special. God's name is special. So taking the name of the Lord God in vain means that you take a sacred name that's unique in all the universe and you use it in a common way. So that's what it means. A couple, I think about a month ago, six, maybe six weeks ago, Jeremy Fruscio, our executive pastor, Jeremy, and his wife, Regan, you saw, heard Regan up here singing this morning, they somehow they got some great points in a, in, on, in, 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 with an airline, and they got to fly to Paris, France, and they were in Paris, France. Here's a picture of Regan and, and, uh, and Jeremy in, in Paris, France. There's the Eiffel Terror in the background, and, and I was laboring here in Gumbar while they were there, and uh, that's a good picture. But while they were there, they got to go to the Louvre, when they got to go to the Louvre, how many know what's in the Louvre? The Mona Lisa is in the Louvre. Here's a picture of the Mona Lisa. And uh, I've never seen the Mona Lisa in, in person. And they say it's smaller than what you think it is and all that. It's Mona Lisa. And just suppose that Jeremy and Regan are in the Louvre in Paris, France. And they're looking at the Mona Lisa. And they get a hankering to play tic-tac-toe. And they take... And they've taken in magic markers, and they take the Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa, and they play tic-tac-toe on the Mona Lisa, and it turns out looking like this. Now, how many know that Jeremy and Reagan would be in the news? <laughs> and we would deny that we ever knew them. We don't know these people. When we take the name of the Lord in vain... We take that which is sacred and we make it common. So when you say God D something, you're taking a sacred holy name that was the name that the Jews wouldn't even say because they were so revered of it. We make it common. So I think that's a graduated level of profanity. And so I think uh, one of the things that, you know, the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life is the Lord wants to, to, he wants to consecrate our understanding of the holy name of God, that God's name is sacred. And instead of like saying God's name in a common way, let's just go after the devil and say, oh, stupid devil. Just come up with something else. Okay. So let's go, let's go on a little bit. There's another, uh, there's, there's other words that I think the Bible gives some indication toward. And uh, here, here's, here's some words that, that we get some instruction on. Ephesians 5.3, about what comes out of our big fat mouth, but he says there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's people. In Ephesians 5, he's talking about the change of lifestyle that should occur after people meet Jesus. Verse 4, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. 
Neither should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, rather, thanksgiving. So Paul says, one of the things that's out of bounds for a follower of Jesus is coarse joking. And the word, it's, it's vulgar language. It's vulgar language. Now, we can think of a word that fits in that, can't we? Uh, vulgar language, coarse joking. So, how many, let me ask you a question. How many have ever been in a setting where somebody started telling a dirty joke? Now, there you go. Lift your hands nervously. Never had to do that in church before. We're not saying that you told the joke. We're just saying that you were in the room. Saying something vulgar. You know, sex is such an amazing thing. The Bible talks about it. Uh, sex is, was God's idea. And I say, yay, God. That's an incredible idea you had. But we tawdry talk and we take sex, something that's sacred, and we just flippantly say these awful things. I was in a sports situation not too long ago where the guy started telling a, a joke, a dirty joke. And, you know, for one of the things, I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, I don't wear my clerical collar when I'm playing tennis. And uh, so these guys were starting to, and I, 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 just, I just walk away. I'm not, I'm not being mean or, I just, I just like, I get ready, I just walk away and get my rack and get ready for the serve, next serve. I, I, how many know who Patricia Heaton is? Patricia Heaton uh, was uh, the gal that was on Everybody Loves Raymond. Here's a picture of Patricia Heaton. How many know who she is? Do you know who she is? And uh, she's on a new sitcom now, and, uh, you know, she's real, real famous, I don't know if you know this, and she hadn't always lived for Jesus, but she's a devoted follower of Jesus right now. She's a Christian. She goes to Matthew Barnett's church in Los Angeles, California, loves Jesus. And uh, a few years ago, she was at the, uh, she was going to give a presentation for the MAA, which is the American Music Award. And she was there, and the Sharon Osbourne, how many know who Sharon Osbourne is? How many know Ozzy and Sharon Osbourne? They were there, and they were, the, they were the host of the show, and the show got very, very vulgar, and all kinds of terrible things. And even Ryan Seacrest, who, you know, seems like a stand-up guy in a lot of ways, Ryan Seacrest made a really, really lewd comment. Eight o'clock on uh, ABC TV, Patricia Heaton, who was up next, she got up and she left and she said, get me my car. I won't be a part of this. And I thought that was really, really impressive. And she said, people asked her, what do you think, what kind of response are you going to get? He said, I, she said, I don't think I'm going to get a lot of heat on this, but if I get a lot of heat on it, so be it. And the next day on her website, she got all kinds of people that were so impressed with her stand of integrity. Paul said that we shouldn't be a part of coarse, coarse talk, uh, dirty talk, uh, that that's not something that is, is, is good for God's people. Let's, let me just read it to you. Let's, let, me, let me lead you in it. Let's read it out loud. This is the Scriptures, Ephesians 5, 5 verse 4. 
Nor should there be obscenity, obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Say it with me. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. And Colossians 3.8, another verse. Colossians 3.8 says the same thing. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. And filthy language from your lips. And, and you see this in Paul's writing. You see it in Ephesians, in Colossians. He talks about our mouth. He talks about our language being changed, that we have a, a conversion of our vocabulary after we begin to follow Jesus. He talks about our, our words being sanctified because we've met Jesus. And I thought about, you know, when a person gets baptized, and we do baptisms here, when people get baptized and they are become Christians and they do their public baptism, it's like their, their citizenship, they're being inaugurated into a kingdom, a new kingdom. And the Bible talks constantly about we've been translated, Colossians says, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And when you and I become citizens of a new country, there's a new language that occurs in that country. I've been, you know, like many of you, I've been, been privileged to travel around the world a little bit. I've been to I remember being in Germany and stepping off the airplane, and one time I was traveling throughout Germany preaching and um, got into a train station late one night surrounded by Germans who nobody spoke English, at least a lot of, a lot of Germans are bilingual, the younger generation for sure, but they still, the primary language is German, and they speak German. And if you've ever been to another country where they speak a different language, it's, a, it's an unusual feeling. But if I was going to become a citizen of Germany and I was, uh, became a citizen of Germany, I would learn to speak German because my language would change because I'm a part of a different nation. And you and I have been born again. We've been born by God's Spirit into a new kingdom. And because we are part of a new kingdom, we have a different language. Say it with me. We've been born into a new kingdom, and because we're in a new kingdom, we have a new language. In other words, we talk differently because we're part of a different kingdom. That's why I don't browbeat people that curse and use profanity around me. I mean, I don't browbeat, you know, some of my buddies that curse up a blue streak. I mean, they're not, you know, shocking me. I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't judge them, I don't put them down, I don't browbeat them. Why wouldn't they talk that way? They're part of the kingdom of darkness. And they haven't met Jesus yet. But when somebody meets Jesus, they are transformed into a new kingdom, and because they're transformed into a new kingdom, they have been endowed with the ability to speak in a different way. So I was thinking about this whole thing. 
about profanity in general. And um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I bet, I bet everybody here, I bet everybody here has probably used a curse word sometime in their life. If, if you know somebody that's used a curse word, just raise your hand. That's, that's my way of getting you to raise your hand. I remember the first curse word I used, you know, and I remember my mom hearing it, and she, she put pepper on my tongue because she didn't want me to talk right. It didn't work, but she put pepper on my tongue. And uh, I remember trying, it burned really bad, and I tried to, you know, upsage the burning with a Pepsi, which doesn't work. That's the wrong thing to drink. But most people, uh, most people curse because they're, the studies show that they're filled with their str- their stress in their life. They have so much stress in their life. And I thought I'd just illustrate this a little bit. The Bible says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So this is, just this represents your heart. And I think the problem is, here's, here's what I, I read this quote this week. We're, we're, we're absolutely stressed people. We are stressed. 49% of Americans say they do not have enough time to do what they need to do and what they want to do. Half of Americans do not have enough margin in their schedule to do what they have to do and need to do, and they are filled with stress. I, read, I saw this quote, 1,200, 1,205 stressful events a year. The average American has 1,205 stressful events a year. We're stressed. How many know that maybe you had years that have been more than that? And so we're filled with stress. And the studies say about profanity, the reason people are cussing, and 74% of Americans say that they think we're cussing more than we ever have. By the way, did you know this? You probably know this. Um, men cuss more than women. 54% of men and 39% of women. So we're, men cuss more. And younger people, 18 to 34, uh, are much more profane than older people. So it shows that the trend of profanity is, is increasing. So I think, I think it's stress. So here's your heart. And so I'm just saying that this vinegar here that I got, apple vinegar, represents stress. And this is your heart. So we pour the stress in here. And, you know, that's, that's some stress. We all got stress in our life. And we can't get rid of it all. So you got this stress here. And you got some stress, but you got margin now. Look, at, look you got margin here. So you got, you know, you got some margin there. So you go through life, and I mean, you stub your toe, or you know, tax returns come back not right, and you know, and, and maybe, you know, all the New Jersey people are, are in line at Wawa, and you can't get in there to get your gas. <laughs> Forgive me for those of you that moved here from New Jersey. We have a lot of people from New Jersey. You no longer a part of that state. You're a part of the Kingdom of Delaware now. So we accept you. <laughs> so. You know, you may bump into things, but because you got margin, you're okay. You know, about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I was elected to be the uh, executive director of a ministerial fellowship that I'm ordained under about, I don't know, 200 pastors or whatever in a few churches. And, uh, you know, that really, I was nice, and uh, I was elected to do that, and people loved me, and I, I did that for about four or five years. But I had no margin in my life. I was preaching here, which is my first love, this church. 
I don't care if 1,000 people come, 10,000 people come, or 40 people come. This is where I like to preach, and I'd like to talk to people about Jesus in this place. So, but I, this is my first, my first love. So I did that. And I'm telling you what, I didn't have any margin. And I, I was edgy, and I was irritable, and I had too much to do. I remember one Sunday I was preaching, and after I got done preaching, I had to get on an airplane, fly down to Meridian, Mississippi, and sit in a board meeting trying to navigate an elders, elders and pastors to get along. And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world am I doing in Meridian, Mississippi? And just was filled with stress. And I was edgy. And I wasn't cussing. But I was thinking cuss words. I'm telling you. It was tough. And I had too much. And so the stress got to be too much. Too much stuff. And it just, I had no margin. And it was right to the edge. And when anything went wrong, when anything went wrong, spilled over, came out, anger, frustration. And the reason people in America, one of the reasons they're cussing so much is because they got so, they have no margin in their life. They bump into something, traffic doesn't go right, and it just comes out of them because they're full of it. They're full of stress. And one of the things we have to do to clean our mouth up is to create more margin in our life. I was talking to somebody this last week. They were just swamped. And I said, I don't know if I said it just this way, but I'm thinking, what do you want, a trophy? What do you want? What are you trying to prove? being so busy you know what you're going to die and they're going to get somebody to take your place and they're not even going to remember your name after a while so why are you filling your life up with so much stress create margin in your life so you're not so edgy and you don't have to do everything and if you're raising your kids you should let them play little league but you shouldn't have them in little league lacrosse and soccer and in piano lessons and violin lessons in the same quarter you need to say honey we get to do one thing and we're going to come home and after we get done eating dinner we're going to sit on the porch and we're going to watch the grass grow how many know love to watch the grass grow now isn't that wonderful i just sit on the back porch now i watch the grass grow I watched my neighbor cut his grass. Got to cut my grass, but. But you know what? Um, let me just uh, pour this out here. It's a little experiment here. These are unrehearsed illustrations, by the way. This is, this is stress. Give all your stress to the Lord. I hope the maintenance people don't say something they shouldn't say. You know what I mean? <laughs> But you know what the Bible teaches? The Bible teaches in, in Ephesians chapter 5 to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, usually in the, in the New Testament, wine represents the, the Holy Spirit. But we're going to use crushed grape soda. 
And this is like being filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, I was, my background was, uh, my background was, my dad was a Methodist, and then he became, he got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I was raised Pentecostal, basically. And um, how many know what the book of Acts says? The book of Acts says that on on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke with new tongues or unknown tongues. Somebody ever heard that verse before? Know about that verse? Now, you know, we always had the Pentecostal application of that, about Pentecost, what that means. And, you know, that's, we always go off on the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. I mean, that's, that's the way I was raised. And that's nothing wrong with that. And I am not a, I'm not an enemy of that at all. But you know what I thought about this week is I thought about my heritage. You're filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke with other tongues. And here, let's think about this. The Holy Spirit has the capacity to enable you to speak in a way you normally can't speak in. How many know that when the Holy, you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're not full of stress. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, be filled, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. When it says don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, that word be filled with the Holy Spirit is in the Greek. It's the present tense and it means to be being filled with the Holy Spirit, constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit, constantly be giving your stress to the Lord and say, Lord, fill me with your grace, fill me with your goodness. I took a walk last night, took a three mile walk and I'm walking and I'm walking down the road and I'm just praying. I'm saying, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit because when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has the capacity to help you speak in a way that you normally can't speak in. Say it with me. The Holy Spirit can help me speak in ways I normally can't speak. So instead of being filled with stress, you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And you just get filled. And the Bible says, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Instead of overflowing with anger and stress, you overflow with the peace and grace of God and We can just fill her right all the way up here and she can just overflow and the goodness and the grace of God and the ability to speak with peace and love just flows out of your life. So now when somebody bumps you or you got a detour on 24 that you weren't expecting and you're late, instead of the vinegar coming out, Now the Spirit comes out. Praise God, you must be sovereign over my life. You got a plan for today, Lord. I love you. And while I'm stuck in traffic, I'm just going to take time to pray. Take time to pray. One last verse this morning. Wow, went a little over today. Don't think any bad words. I went over a little bit over today. Okay. (laughs) Seven minutes longer than normal. Here we go. Here's a great verse. Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. I'm coming to it. It's coming up. It's almost there. It's not there. Oh, there it is. We got it right here. It's a miracle right here. Okay. Isaiah was in the temple it's the year that King Uzziah died. King Uzziah had been a king for 52 years. Big change in culture. 
What was the future going to be? Isaiah is afraid. And God's calling him to be a prophet and says, Woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Next verse. Then one of the seraphims flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which had taken with the uh, tongs from the altar. Next verse. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. When Isaiah, the greatest prophet, perhaps in the Old Testament, had a visitation of the Lord, his encounter with the holiness of God made him acutely aware of his unclean mouth. And as soon as he confessed that, this is what I love in the story, as soon as he confessed it, God's grace responded and the angel, the seraphim, took a coal off the altar and cleansed his lips. Let me ask you one final question before I have a final prayer this morning. How many are grateful for every filthy word or any profane word you've ever said as you've confessed it before the Lord? God in His grace has cleansed that completely from your mouth. And if you're grateful for that, say a big amen. He is holy, He is righteous, but He is merciful as we confess our sins to the Lord. Now, I'm going to have a final prayer and pray for you. I'm going to ask those that are coming to the tables this morning to pray for you, to give you communion, or to pray for your needs to come right now uh, before I give my final prayer. And uh, let's just ask the Lord to bless you. And at the end of this service, if you need prayer, there's two tables up here, people here to minister to you, and they're already here. They want to pray for you and help you. Lift up your hands to the Lord, and let's pray this out loud. Just say this with me. Lord God, you are holy and righteous. Your name is to be revered. Hallowed be your name. Lord, I've been called into a new kingdom with a new vocabulary. Now, I ask you, Lord, to bless my words. May they glorify you and honor you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen and amen. Love you guys. Let's give the Lord a praise offering. Love you guys. We'll see you next Sunday.